Amen. Good morning. It is so good to see you all. It is good to be back. I want to take a moment and welcome you all back. Um, I am very happy to be back. Um, as you, many of you know, I was out uh, this past week, uh, but I do want to say a few thank yous if I could. First of all, I'm very thankful uh, for Pastor Corey, who not only is an incredibly gifted worship leader, but also is a phenomenal preacher. Um, it is good to have another brother who can preach the Word of God. Uh, if you've not listened to last week's sermon, you really should uh, go back and listen to it. I'm not just saying that because he's on staff with me. I'm saying it because it was very encouraging and edifying and um, all those other wonderful things that I could say about it, but I have notes to give him later, and so we'll talk through that later, brother, and I'm looking forward to it. So I do want to take a moment and just say thank you uh, to you all for your patience and your uh, prayers as my family and I have been home uh, recovering. Many of you heard that I was uh, home with a, a very bad head cold. Thankfully, by God's grace, that's all that it was, um, but just out of an abundance of caution, we chose as a family to stay home uh, so we could stay healthy, we could keep you healthy, um, and I would just uh, ask for your continued prayers uh, for my family. Many of you also know that um, after uh, half of my family left Dothan, uh, several days later, uh, several of our family members uh, tested positive for COVID. And so because my wife was there with them still, uh, she was directly exposed to it. Uh, by God's grace, her and the little two uh, have not shown any signs or symptoms, and their 14-day quarantine ended uh, yesterday. And so by God's grace, they will be traveling home uh, today. Um, so I'm very thankful for that um, because I think my kids, my older two who are with me, would testify that it's been a long couple weeks without mom. Uh, dad runs things a little differently. Apparently dad is not as good of a cook um, amongst many other things that kind of fell through by the wayside. But hey, it was good. We survived. Uh, got some Christmas decorating done, some Christmas shopping done. And so it was really good. So it's all that to say, thank you for your prayer. Um, and thank you for just um, it's those of you who called with your encouragement and your words. Several of you guys brought meals. Thank you so much for helping to uh, take care of our family during this season. Well, we are back in our Advent study, and today we're going to take a look at uh, joy and how it was Jesus Christ, uh, the one who was prophesied about and the one who now lives that liberated us from the bondage of sin and brokenness so that that we today could know true joy. Now, before um, we jump into our text today, which we'll be reading uh, from Isaiah 61, so you can go and find your places in the Word of God today, um, I want to ask you this question as you're finding your place. Can you think of moments in your life that brought you the most joy? Perhaps it was uh, a wedding or your own wedding. Perhaps it was the first time you saw your spouse as the doors opened or as wives you maybe were filled with joy as you saw your husband standing at the altar. Uh, maybe it was the birth of a child, perhaps your own child or that of a niece or nephew or even a grandchild. Perhaps what brought you the most joy was uh, the completion of school, whether it was graduation or as several of our teachers I know are looking forward to, the completion of what has truly been a wild uh, semester for our teachers and our students today. 
today. I'm sure many of you are looking forward to the end of this semester, and we will not talk about the beginning of the next one just yet. Let's enjoy this one ending. I'd imagine that many of you experienced joy as you started a new job or perhaps saw a transition in the work that you had been called to, something that you found favorable. Perhaps it was an an achievement that you accomplished, whether it was work-related or school-related, or better yet, maybe, maybe you experienced a moment of joy in something as simple as just finding a new spot here on God's creation to be able just to, to sit in him, to soak in him, and to be reminded of his goodness. Or, if I could simplify it even further, maybe you found joy in a new restaurant that now serves your new favorite meal. And honestly, you would go there every other day if people didn't think you were crazy. You see, there's a lot of places that we can seek joy, that we can find joy. And I imagine that if we were told that these things in our lives were going to happen, then I can't help but wonder in the things that have happened to this point, how would we receive them or hear them if our modern day selves were to be able to go back and speak to our younger selves? You see, here's the question I often find myself asking is, as a younger person, would I believe my older self if I were told the things that would happen to me later in life? In fact, I've had a good bit of time to reflect on that and think on that this holiday season as I continue to get older and I thought about what it would be like to speak again to my high school self if given the moment. I imagined what it would be like to speak to that 17-year-old kid without a care in the world who was really ultimately coasting through what would be his senior year. What would be interesting is if I could speak to that kid based on what I thought was going to happen and what I thought I was going to do then in my life. I wonder if that 17-year-old kid would be floored to hear from the modern day me what would actually happen in my life. So the question we have to ask ourselves today is what if we were told? What if we did know the future? What would happen to us? What would change about us? How would we be different in our preparation for what it is we knew that was coming? Well, we find ourselves here in our text today in Isaiah chapter 61. And in our passage today, we are actually going to get a glimpse of the coming Messiah. This is a glimpse of the one who announces the good news of his mission to bring salvation to the poor and to bring hope to the broken here on this earth. This is the the proclamation, if you will, of the one who would come to announce liberation from sin and then pronounce joy upon Upon those who would come to faith in them. So let's read together the prophecy or the announcement, if you will, that would set the world free. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, I would invite you to turn with me to Isaiah chapter 61. And once you have found your place, if you can and you are able, I would invite you now to stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. Now again, these are the words of God according to the prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 61, beginning in verse 
1, we read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Now, if you would skip over with me to verse 8, we continue to read. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Let's pray together. Father God, we come before you right now thanking you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have now in this moment to be able to proclaim your word. Father, we thank you for the truth that is found according to your word. We thank you for the joy in knowing you as Lord and Savior. And Father, in these next few moments now, we pray that as we continue to seek to understand these prophecies, Father, we pray that we would see more of you and what it is that you have done. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you for your plan. Praise you for the joy that comes from knowing you as Savior. So, Father, we pray that as we continue to worship, Father, hear our hearts, speak to our hearts, prepare our minds for your truth. And as we worship you through the study of your word, Father, may you and you alone be glorified today. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it is by the name of Jesus we pray today. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, clearly what we have here with Isaiah 61, with the word of God in our hands, we obviously know that Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah, the one who we call Jesus Christ. Now, in order to better understand this particular prophecy, though, we need to fast forward in history a little bit to a passage that has actually been called one of the most 
dramatic moments in redemptive history. You see, if you look at the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, beginning around verse 16 and carrying on through verse 21, we see a moment where Jesus has now returned to his hometown of Nazareth and he is there with the people seated in the synagogue. Now by the time we get to this moment, in Luke chapter 4, there is already a buzz about Jesus Christ as news of his work was beginning to travel fairly quickly, and often was the case, beginning to get ahead of him before he entered into any particular town. Now, we find Jesus in this moment on the Sabbath, and Jesus walks up in the middle of the synagogue, takes the scroll of Isaiah, and he reads to the people Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 and 2. Now, as he's finishing his reading of this particular passage with all eyes on him in wonder, pay attention to what Jesus says in verse 21 of Luke chapter 4. It says, And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, could you just imagine this moment for a second. Can you imagine for a moment the marvel and the wonder of the people as they heard Jesus proclaim with confidence the prophecy of Isaiah? Do you see their marvel and their wonder in this moment as Jesus stands before them and tells them the following words? Here I am, prophecy fulfilled. So now when we go back to Isaiah chapter 61, we know, according to Luke chapter 4, by Jesus' own admission, this prophecy is clearly about Jesus Christ. So as we look today in Isaiah 61, my prayer is that we would see the liberating joy that is found in the coming of King Jesus. So there are three points in our passage today to liberating joy according to the prophecy recorded by Isaiah. The first being this, liberating joy begins with God's plan. We see this back in Isaiah chapter 60 or chapter 61 verse 1. Now Clearly, this prophecy, we already know, is speaking of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it's also going to speak to the fulfillment of his ministry here on this earth. But before we get into that, let's pay careful attention to the words that are being used right here in Isaiah 61, verse 1. You see, this passage begins with the call of Jesus Christ that ultimately begins with the plan of God. We read this in the first half of verse 1. It says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. Now here in these words, we now have the proclamation of Jesus's anointing, or better yet, the proclamation of Jesus being chosen or set apart by God the Father with 
his spirit. Now we are going to see more on this later at the beginning of Jesus's ministry when in Luke chapter 3 verse 22 at Jesus's baptism we see the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus according to verse 22 like a dove and a voice that came from heaven saying you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased. Now we are already seeing Jesus fulfill the prophecies found in Isaiah, which reveals what God intended from the beginning as a part of his own plan. You see, when we look through the Old Testament in its entirety, we see that the Old Testament itself is filled with stories of men being anointed with oil for key offices within Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, we see men anointed as kings. In Exodus chapter 30, we see the anointing of men as priests. And again, in 1 Kings chapter 19, we see men anointed for the office of prophet. Now, this anointing with oil was symbolic of the Holy Spirit equipping these men for the weighty task that lies ahead. Now, pay attention to what was happening here. These were men anointing one another with oil for the purpose of fulfilling a specific office. But pay attention when it comes to Christ. Because you see, it is God alone who anoints with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God does this not just for anyone, but he does this for Jesus Christ. This was ultimately what would lead Peter to exclaim in Acts chapter 10 verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You see, he went about, according to Peter, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. You see, because of God's plan, Jesus came. Because of God's plan, it was by God's power that Jesus came to liberate his people. So as we gather in this season of Advent, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, as we look forward with longing anticipation, as we await the second coming of Jesus Christ, let us remember that our faith in Christ is a gift to us, and it was a gift given by God who accomplished his plan from the beginning through Christ Jesus our Lord. And then here's the beauty of the plan of God. It was all done for his glory alone. This leads us to our second point of liberating joy. You see, liberating joy is now not only God's plan, but it is now seen in Christ's mission. Now we see this as we read Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. Now as we move past God's action plan in the first half of verse 1, we can now find the mission of Jesus Christ. So as we read the second half of verse 1 through verse 4, we actually see that Jesus' mission is a sevenfold 
plan. We see that Jesus is to come to bring good news to the poor. He is to heal the brokenhearted. He is to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to announce the day of God's vengeance, to comfort those who mourn, and to give them a crown, oil, and splendid clothes in beauty and, or excuse me, in beauty and in place of their degradation and their captivity. And then here's the beauty of it all. It is Jesus Christ who comes and it is Jesus Christ who does the healing. It is Jesus Christ who sets the captives free. However, pay attention to Jesus' ministry according to the Gospels. You see, the bulk of Jesus' accomplishments is actually done primarily by the preaching of the good news. So you see, we need to pay attention to our text today here in Isaiah 61 and then pay attention to the ministry of Jesus Christ as we are taught within the Gospels. You see, it doesn't take a fancy show to win people to Christ. It doesn't take clickbait articles in order to win people to Jesus Christ. It doesn't take any type of motions or movements or new fresh ideas in order to win people to Jesus Christ. Rather, like Christ, like his ministry, we, his people, simply need to be faithful to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In other words, as God's people, we ourselves are called to be faithful to proclaim the good news of the coming of our Lord and Savior. That's all it takes. But now pay attention to several of the key phrases that we see in verses 1 through 4. You see, we see phrases like, this one, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now, this phrase would have actually resonated strongly for the Israelites as it would have been a reminder of the freedom that comes with the year of celebration or the year of jubilee, if you will. It would have been a reminder as well and would have resonated well for the Israelites, especially those who had suffered under the bondage of Babylon, knowing that freedom was one day coming. We move from there in another phrase in verse 2. We see in the midst of Christ's mission, we see in the midst of his, his liberty, in the midst of his proclamation of freedom and the proclamation or announcement of the, the favor of the Lord, we find this phrase as well. The phrase says, to proclaim the day of vengeance of our God. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you there are very few phrases that I want to hear about the coming of the Lord. And this is one of them that I especially do not want to hear. I never want to be on the receiving end of the message that God's vengeance is coming for me. Okay? 
that would almost, I would equate that to being armed with a stick and a rock and then finding out from, let's say, Daryl Purcell, good news is coming for you, pastor. It is coming in the form of a hundred heavily armed soldiers with all the top weaponry and they are coming to declare vengeance upon you. I'm going to go ahead and tell you I'm probably no longer holding to my stick and rock. I'm probably trying to find a way to hide under said rock and find a way to wave a stick with a white flag announcing my surrender. But you see, obviously this news, right in the middle of these proclamations of freedom, proclamations of liberation, all of a sudden this message of mission, this vengeance, this clearly does not sound good. And again, I don't think any of us would want to be on the receiving end of this particular part of Christ's work. However, to understand this particular phrase, we need to go back again and see what Jesus proclaimed in Luke chapter 4. You see, if we go back to Jesus' reading of Isaiah 61, we will quickly notice that Jesus himself stopped reading this particular prophecy just before he got to that particular part of the oracle. Now, why would Jesus do that? Well, you see, Jesus wanted the people to understand that his first coming was to liberate people from their bondage of sin and to bring about healing in their lives. However, as we know today, as we have heard from Jesus himself, he stops there because we know that there is a second coming, which is our reason for celebrating this Advent season. You see, with Jesus' second coming, there will be judgment. And with judgment comes vengeance. You see, this is why Jesus' mission is so clear. This is why his mission is so urgent, as it should be for us Today, just as there was a first coming where we celebrate the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, and yes, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as there was a first coming that brought us liberation, it brought us victory, it set us free, it has now brought us peace, we can now rest in knowing that there will be a second coming that will bring God's judgment and with God's judgment we will see God's vengeance you see two weeks ago we talked about how our season of advent is very similar to warfare and we described it as spiritual warfare and so what I want us to see and hear according to the prophecies of Isaiah and Isaiah 61 is we are living in the midst of that spiritual warfare. However, for us today, we are now on a rescue mission to tell people of the freedom and the joy and the liberation that comes from knowing Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You see, as believers in Christ, our mission, like Christ, is to lead others to the grace and mercy that is found in knowing Christ and to lead them away from the vengeance of God that is coming when his wrath is poured out on those who do not know him. And so we have work to do this season. Now again, Pay attention to Isaiah's words here in verses one through four. You see, he doesn't just give us the the mission of Christ. He also shows us who the recipients are of Christ's mission. He says of them that they are the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who mourn and are clothed in ashes and despair. According to verse 4, they are the the ones who live in ruined cities. They are the ones who have been robbed and the ones who suffer at the hands of injustice. And now look what happens to them according to Isaiah's prophecy. You see, seeing through the lens of Babylonian exile, the remnant will one day be restored and the land or the promised land would be rebuilt for according to verse 4, for the former devastations will rise and repair will happen in ruined cities. In other words, this is now good news for the people of Israel. But for us today, it is also good news for us as well. You see, the mission of Jesus Christ in proclaiming the gospel and performing miracles of healing was a direct fulfillment of Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. And so Jesus, as we read of him in the gospels, he clearly understood that his mission, according to Isaiah 61 verse 2, was to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, when Jesus Christ came, he ushered in a worldwide era of grace from God. Our debts of sin are now paid. Our debts of sin by God's grace according to his plan by the mission and mercy of Christ have now been canceled and we prisoners to sin have now been set free in Christ to worship him with the liberating joy that he provides. You see, Jesus' mission has now set us all free. This is why Paul, in speaking to the church at Corinth, can proclaim in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. You see, in preaching about Christ's mission and in speaking of the newfound joy that we have in him, John Calvin, in writing about Isaiah 61, particularly verse 3, where we are now called oaks of righteousness, claims himself, whereas they had formerly been rooted out and resembled a dry stock, they shall be planted and they shall be settled. You see, because of the mission of Christ... Like John Calvin tells us, according to Isaiah 61, verse 3, we are like an oak. 
We went from dry death to new life. Because of Christ, we are now firmly planted in him. Because of Christ, we are now firmly rooted in him. And our future inheritance in the kingdom is now settled because of the coming of Jesus Christ and the fulfillment of his mission. You see, this is why we can now experience the radical transformation of the poor. It's why we can experience the radical transformation of the brokenhearted or the mourning or the ash-covered captives. Why? Because Jesus Christ came to save us. You see, it was Christ who removed our sins of disgrace. He removed our ashes. It was Christ who removed our chains. And now, because of Christ, we are crowned with beauty. He has anointed us with the oil of joy and redemption and has clothed us in robes of righteousness. You see, the train of wreckage described in verse 4 left by sin can only be fixed by one chief rebuilder and his name is Jesus. And so by God's grace, for God's glory, Jesus' mission was clear and it was to repair the ruined cities. And so we today should praise the Lord for his mission. We today should praise the Lord for the redemption that is found in knowing him. We should praise the Lord for his saving work. And yet at the same time, let us remember that there is still work to be done. This leads us to our third and final point of liberating joy. You see, liberating joy leads to celebration. We see this in verses 8 through 11 of Isaiah chapter 61. Now, again, when we go back and look at verses 8 through 10, we can now see that not only have we experienced this everlasting joy, but we now have an everlasting covenant with God. So what we begin to see in verses 8 through 10 is that our status and our condition, according to God's plan by the mission of Christ, has now changed so that by the time we get to verse 11 we now read that the goal of this liberating joy should lead us to celebrate who God is and what it is that God has done for us in other words we see that the goal of God's salvation is for God's people to worship him this is why Isaiah claims so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. You see, our lives now begin where this chapter ends. It begins with worship. Now again, I know the lights flickered. I'm not really sure what happened there. We'll call it affirmation of the Lord. How about that? Probably not. I trust his word. You see, if God's plan led to the fulfillment of Christ's mission, 
then the clearest evidence of that fulfillment will be the desire that we have to give him our praise and that we have to give him our worship. This is now why we exist as the local church. You see, the church is a reminder of the victory that is found in Jesus Christ. It is a reminder of Christ's fulfilled mission and God's fulfilled plan. So as we gather for worship, we gather for the purpose to celebrate the victory that is found in God and God alone, a victory that is now rooted in our eternal covenant with God. So at this point, we need to ask ourselves, as believers in Christ, what does our worship look like? Is worship just that thing that we do on Sunday mornings and then we check it off our list? Or do we come to worship prepared to celebrate what God has done through Christ Jesus our Lord? This is something I think we need to begin wrestling with more as a church because we live in a day and time where now because of COVID or whatever excuse we want to use, church has now become convenient. Church for us has become, let me turn on my favorite YouTube channel and listen to my favorite praise team. And then I'm going to find on YouTube or Facebook my favorite preacher And we call that church. And I want to tell you today, that is not church at all. Church happens when the gathered believers get together for the purpose of praising God and celebrating his name, recognizing the ruin and the wreckage that they had come from and how it was Jesus Christ who brought them together, made them whole, and now they represent the beacon of hope and the victory that is found in knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. You won't find that on social media. You'll find it when the church gathers. It's not in the building. It's not in the sign. It's when the body of believers gather together. Again, let us not miss the point of Isaiah here and the victory that is found in being the local church. It is not about us or our convenience. Rather, it is about what Jesus Christ has done for his glory. So you see, as we continue in our Advent season, my prayer is that we would continue to meditate on God's amazing grace. You see, we were all once enslaved through our own willful rebellion. We are not victims of sin here. We are not victims to sin and oppression. Rather, we ourselves were the oppressors. But now pay attention. You see, God, in the richness of his mercy, 
in his love towards us has given us Jesus Christ. And by the grace and the mercy that is found in Christ, he has now given us a crown and oil and rich garments instead of our chains, instead of our stench, and instead of our rags. You see, as believers in Christ, we are now called upon by the grace and mercy of God, by God's plan. We are called upon to proclaim liberty to the captives that exist all over the earth. We are called to proclaim the truth of God by living out the truth according to his word. As believers in Christ, we are called to rebuild the ancient cities and clear away the piles of rubble left in the wake of sin. You see, our call is to continue the mission that Jesus Christ has now set before us today. Our mission is clear. We are called to build healthy churches. Places where people are gathered, filled with people who obey the full commands of the word of God and they live out their mission by the power of the Holy Spirit that was given to them by the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so as a local church, Let's remember that we represent the peaceful order in the midst of a war zone that is sin's destruction. We, as a church, are the embassy of Jesus Christ that welcomes all to come and for all to be set free by his grace and by his mercy. So in this season, as we wait, as we long for the second coming of Christ, let us be reminded of the liberating joy that began with God's plan, is seen through Christ's mission, and now leads us, his people, to celebrate and worship our Lord and our Savior and our King. As for Isaiah 61... Let us here see the prophecy of Christ. Let us then look to the Gospels and then see the fulfillment of that prophecy that is found in Jesus Christ. And now today, as we read, as we reflect, let us remember, based on Isaiah 61, in the end, God wins. So let us give him the glory today. Let us praise his name today as we continue to worship in the liberating joy that has been given to us by God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Let's pray together.